Welcome, everybody, to episode number 41 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. Before we get started with today's episode and the topic I think we're really – I'm really passionate about, and I think the fire service as a whole is passionate about uh, talking about some long stretches, or as I call them, uh, long stretch solutions, uh, where we're going to quickly but go into some of the pros and cons of the different types of ways that we can go beyond the pre-connect. Uh, just wanted to say, you know, thanks everybody for listening to the last 40 episodes of the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. Um, this is still just a tremendous journey for me, and uh, I'm humbled every time somebody messages me. Sometimes, every time somebody says that they've enjoyed the podcast or or, or liked the podcast, it just it, it really is truly humbling for me. Um, again, if you've been with me for the whole 40 episodes, you know that this started as just a kind of an experiment, an idea. That I, I didn't even really know if anybody was going to listen to. I thought I might do a couple of these. Nobody would listen, and it would stop. And and still consistently, between two and four thousand every time I publish an episode is just tremendously humbling. Um, I, I really just can't thank everybody enough for just listening to the 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 ramblings of of just an average firefighter, an average Jake. Uh, that's all I am, you know. And and I just feel like I have something to offer and something to share. Um, and that's what I kind of wanted to do with this platform is bring people on that maybe you hadn't heard of. And I think we've done that. We've given, been able to give other firefighters a platform to spread their message. Some of them you've heard of and some of them you've heard of because of the podcast. And some of them have gone on to do great things. Uh, Lex Shady, John Buttrick, uh, you know, just and some of Dan Jones. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. Uh, ben Martin with the Fireground Commander stuff, all these just, I mean, I, I can't, you know, if I didn't name you, it's not, it's just because there's so many um, that are just going on and doing great, great things that we've had here on the podcast. And hopefully this platform has been able to help propel uh, some of those guys and gals to just doing great, great things. And, and it's an awesome, awesome thing to be able to do. Uh, with that being said, just some quick housekeeping stuff before we end, before we get into the episode, um, there will probably be another little short break in programming just because, uh, you know, with all this COVID stuff, everything kind of got pushed back and uh, I was able to record a lot during the initial phases of it. But now like everything's starting to kind of reopen. So I'm going to be going on pretty much, uh, after, after Saturday, this coming Saturday, which you're listening to this in August, um, you know, I'm planning on publishing it pretty much immediately. Listen to this on, uh, August 6th. It's, uh, I plan on – I work again on August 7th, and then August 10th is the Fireground Commander Conference, so I'm going to be very committed with that throughout the week. And then after that, my family and I are going on a much-needed vacation, and I don't come back into town uh, – actually, don't come back into town until after water on the fire. So I probably won't be in a position to record anything formally or publish anything until early September, maybe even mid-September. I'm hoping to do some stuff on Water on the Fire, maybe get a couple people together and do a do an impromptu podcast in the hotel room or something. But with Florida social distancing stuff, it, it's going to all depend on who's able to come and who's able to do the things. Uh, but maybe we'll be able to get something together with that and just talk about how the conference was and and everything like that. But so just, you know, don't despair. I'm not, I haven't quit, not quitting. I still enjoy doing the podcast and I, and I still enjoy producing good content. But as I've always said, I'm not going to put something out that I think is garbage. Okay. Like I have, you would probably, it would probably baffle you the amount of episodes I've recorded and then deleted uh, because I didn't think they were very good. Like hours of content that I just didn't think was very good because when you, press play on my podcast, I don't want it to be a waste of your time. I don't want you to, to spend 30 minutes into this and like, this was horrible. This was stupid. I wanted to bring some value to you. And if I think it's crap, it's probably going to be crap to you. So I don't want to publish it out there. I'm not just going to be a content creator. I think that that's a horrible way to be in the fire service. Like, oh, we got to push out content, got to push out content. I think that's garbage. Anybody that's doing that is not putting out stuff that's worth your time. And I want to put out stuff that's worth your time. So with that being said, uh, again, got Fireground, uh, Fireground Commander coming up, War on the Fire coming up, and then uh, maybe some other local stuff around here. And then ATROC, hopefully they'll be able to do hands-on for ATROC this year, and I'll be able to go to that. So with that being said, let's get on to the main part of the episode where we're going to be talking about some s solutions for going beyond the pre-connect or what I call long-stretch solutions. As the first line goes, so goes the fire. Anybody that's been around the fire service long enough 
knows that that's a quote from the late, great Andy Fredericks. And it's true. Andy was wise beyond his years, and it really is true. Think about any fire you've ever been to. If the first line that gets put in service is successful, usually the fire's successful. If you are depending on the third, fourth, or fifth line to put the fire out or make an initial attack on the fire, then it's probably going to be a long night for you. Uh, you probably want to get the utility truck or your rehab vehicles there. Go grab some Gatorade and a pack of nabs, and uh, you're going to be sitting on a two-and-a-half or a ladder truck uh, for a while watching water flow through the roof. Um, it's just true. The first line dictates so much of what we do. And a lot of times, and, and I think in the American Fire Service, it's something that and maybe there's been a revolution, especially with Facebook and, and all of these things, but I really still think it's a skill that is ignored because people think it's so simple, right? People think that just putting a line on the seat of the fire, and maybe it should be simple, but to me, there's a lot of intricacies to it. There's, you know, anybody can yank the line off the truck and be spaghetti and and all that stuff, but true firemanship is being an expert at that, being able to look at something and, and being able to, to stretch the line in the way, no matter how you pack it, right? No matter how you pack it, we could get into that for 16 episodes talking about, you know, flat load, minute man, horseshoe, uh, triple layer, all this stuff, scorpion, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm a big believer in, I, I know what I like. I'm a minute man smoothbore guy, but if you don't like that stuff, just be good with what you have. You know, if your fire department won't let you change to a minute man, then, then be good with triple air. I, I was in a situation, I know I've talked about this on the podcast, where our station captains uh, dictate how the lines are packed on the rigs. And my station captain at a place I was at would not let us switch from triple air. So what that forced me to do was get good with triple air. I could have sat and pouted about it and say, Minuteman's the way. And, and I'm, you know, but no, I we decided, okay, he won't let us switch. Then we're going to become triple layer experts. And we did. We came up with every sort of tips and tricks. We researched it. We drilled on it. And we became damn good at triple layer. Thankfully, when I got promoted to captain, uh, the station that I went to, we went to Minuteman's. And pretty much Minuteman has become pretty prevalent in my fire department. But there's still some triple layer out there. There's still some some other odd hose lays out there. So just But just be good at it. Um, but I feel like it's something that we still don't drill on enough. People think it's like, oh, it's just pulling hose. And especially you get some of that from the older the older guard that is, oh, it's just pulling hose. Just pull the hose. Um, I remember when I was first promoted uh, to lieutenant, I went to an engine company. And one of the first things, like first day, hey, so how do you pull this line? It's triple air. I hadn't pulled triple air in a long time because the company that I was on, we weren't running it prior to that. We were running Minuteman. And go there. How do you guys pull this line? Like who pulls the line? Like does the driver pull the line? Does the backwards firefighter pull the line? Does the officer help you? You know, like, like what, what's your guys plan for getting a pre-connected hand line in service? And the answer was, well, we just figure it out when we get there. That didn't fly with me. I was like, what do you mean we figure it out when we get there? Like that's not going to work because everybody has a job to do on this rig. There's only three of us. And if we're just figuring it out when we get there, we're wasting time. And I think, and I think, and maybe I'm wrong, and, and and please, you know, message me on Twitter. You know, I've put my phone number out there several times, 804-641-8310. Text me, you know, message me on Instagram, message me on Twitter if you think that I'm wrong. But I, but I feel like a majority of people feel that this is just a simple, simple thing. And while it's simple, there's a lots of details to it that can make or break it. Um you know, they're the way that they're building some of these buildings where I'm running calls now, like they're not they're not building it uh, intending for hose lines to be stretched upstairs or into doors. I mean, they are building some of these townhouses now that are like they look like townhouses, but they're really apartments where the apartments are stacked on each other. And you have a door straight in front of you that goes to the top floor apartments and then a door uh, to the right or left of it. That is a extreme angle and and it's kind of under a vestibule that makes it so tough to stretch a hose line into that door like you and especially depending on the hose load that you're using if you're using a triple layer you're going to have a tough go getting that thing in at that eccentric angle pulled there and pulled there rapidly i mean i saw a triple layer fail the other night on a fire when they had to pull at an eccentric angle um it just didn't work very well and and again just be good at what you have but I feel like we don't drill on it enough, and I especially think as a fire service as a whole, and, I, and I'm and i poor at this, 
we don't drill enough on what happens when it's beyond our pre-connected hose loads, what, when it's beyond that 200 or 300 foot pre-connected hose load. Uh, I don't think we drill on it enough. I don't think we talk about the pros and cons of it because just because there's some facts out there, just because there's some facts, it doesn't mean that some of these solutions won't be the best thing for your fire department, right? Um, I, I know what I think is the best for my fire department, but I feel like presenting just information and not necessarily and, and a little bit of opinion and letting you test and decide and, and then deciding what works for your fire department. Because, again, I respect the hell out of guys like Dennis Laguerre and Kurt Isaacson and Ray McCormack and and uh, Mike Dugan and Mike Champo and Steve Robertson and all these guys. Man, they are they are damn good at what they do. And when they teach stuff, it's backed in facts. But just because it's backed in facts for them doesn't mean it's going to work where I work. Okay, That's just a reality of it, guys and gals. And so what I'm telling you here is the facts from my perspective. And that's all the fire service is, is facts from different perspectives. And you try to take the best ones and make them work for you. And so when we talk about this stuff, as we get into the to the topic, we talk about long stretch solutions. And what I mean by that is we're going beyond the pre-connect, right? We're going beyond those pre-connected hose lines. Now, with that being said, with that being said, we're going beyond what I call a standard length of pre-connected hose. Usually, most pre-connects are between two and three hundred feet. My fire department has now started to spec a 400 foot attack line onto all of our rigs. Now, that's a pre-connected hose line, but I still consider that a long stretch. And we'll talk about that when we when we get into some of the 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 meat and potatoes of the topic. But I'm typically talking about things that are longer than two or three hundred feet. For decades, uh, the fire department that I work for and, and the fire departments I volunteered for, the longest hose line was 300 feet. Sometimes not even that. A lot of guys would go like 250 or everything was just 200 and you would have maybe a 150 in the bumper, uh, all, you know, in various sorts of loads with various sorts of nozzles, things of that nature. And, you know, so when we would have to stretch long, we would only have a couple of options on, on what to do. Um, as we continue to go along, we're progressing more to like, well, well, you know, there are some spots that maybe we need more than 300 feet. So we're starting to progress more to, to, to some of these longer hose loads. Um, you know, but I'm still, like I said, we're talking about just those standard lengths. 200, 300 feet is pretty standard pre-connect hose load in most of the country from what I see uh, in my travels. And so when you start talking about four, 600, even set, you know, some of these extreme stuff, that's not, what I call a standard pre-connected line, even though they may be pre-connected. So again, we're talking about going beyond those standard pre-connect lengths. And so when I think about that, when I think about those long stretches, those, those, those things, I really think it breaks down into really just two options, right? You look at it and you, and you really, when you break it down to brass tacks, there's really two options that you have. One of them I kind of already mentioned, which option number one is a long attack line, okay? Like for my fire department, it's we have a 400-foot pre-connect, but we have flow-tested lines all the way out. We have flow-tested. We use inch and three-quarter Pond Conquest. It's 1.88 hose. We have flow-tested that out to 600 feet. We have not flow-tested anything longer than 600 feet, but we feel pretty comfortable with letting somebody – put 600 feet of inch and three quarter, really 1.88 hose, inch and three quarter in a line and getting to the seat of a fire. And we have a PDP for that. And we have all, you know what I mean? And, and again, we're, we're running Pierce Quantums. Uh, not Pierce, well, some of them are still Pierce Quantums. Uh, others are, uh, uh, we got some peer, some other Pierce stuff out there. Uh, we do have a couple, like back in the past, we did have some reserve like Ferrara engines, but those are all phased out. We got a couple Pierce pucks out there, um, but you know for the most part we're running Pierces. But you know every pump is a little bit different, so I don't really want to get in too much of the of the PDP. We flow tested a majority of our engines, and we came up with these numbers. So I would recommend that if you're going to do something like that, flow test, flow test, flow test. Put the flow meters on it. Make sure, and that's why I don't really want to get into too terribly much of the PDP side of it because it can vary from manufacturer type of pump. Is it a hail? Is it a water? Is this something I've never even heard of? 
Is it an American LaFrance? Is it an E1? Is it, you know, how, and even between manufacturers, the pumping can be plumbed differently so you can get different numbers uh, from similar apparatus. So that's why I don't really want to get too much into the PDP side of it. I would recommend that you get out there, do the work with a flow meter and a pitot and all of those things and make sure that you're getting the PDP right for your fire department. Um, but so we started specking that 400 foot attack line. And like I said, we've specced it. We've, we've, we're comfortable with about 600 feet away from the rig. So that's kind of option one, that long attack line, that long inch and three quarter or even inch and a half. There are some fire departments that are still out there running inch and a half. Hey man, that's cool. You can still extend those out pretty long if that's what you desire. And then option two would be a leader line or a trunk line. I know some of that's kind of the terminology that's going on, going on out there with either leader line or trunk line. To me, they're interchangeable. They mean the exact same thing. And what I mean with that, it's a larger caliber line, typically a two and a half or a three inch hose. And then you stretch that and put an attack line onto it or a smaller caliber line, like an inch and a half, an inch and three quarter on the end of that, on the end of that stretch. So while those are the two options that you have, there are, there are variables in there, right? There are variables in there that can make or break the stretch, that can be good or bad. They have pros and cons, and you have to figure out by training, by training and by flow testing, what is going to be the best for your fire department, your staffing, the fires that you're going to. Okay. And even, and even sometimes I'll be quite honest with you from a, the, the, the layout of my fire department in the East end. And if you've listened to podcasts, you've heard me say this before in the East end, we have, uh, a very rural area. We've got tankers and farms and, you know, country, country houses. As you come more toward the north, it's urban, man. It borders the city of Richmond. It is urban. Uh, in fact, the city of Richmond annexed, you know, part of the city of Richmond in that area used to be the county that I worked for, and the city of Richmond annexed it in like the uh, like 50s, 60s, and even early 70s. And so it it even, I mean, so it mirrors that section of Richmond. It is a more urban area. You've got some urban commercial stuff. You've got uh, some like, I mean, the Highland Springs area of our of our county is Main Street USA. Like it, it's Main Street USA. When you look at that construction type in a in a book, and that's that's Main Street USA. That's our area there. Lakeside's the same way. When you start talking about that stuff, so it's a more urban area. Now it's a more urban residential. We do have some commercial. It's a more urban residential area, but it's still an urban area. So the hose lays are a little bit different. It's all hydranted. We don't run tankers into those areas. And then as you get out west, there's some commercial, but it's mostly suburban stuff. And the commercial occupancies are office buildings where people work and restaurants and grocery stores. It's not any like manufacturing. Like that's mostly in the east and the north end where your manufacturing takes place. Mostly in the west. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, like anything else, there's anomalies everywhere, right? But mostly in the west, uh, there is a suburban environment. Large homes, large, you know, single family residents, large apartment complexes. Uh, you know, we've even got these. Uh, these little villages, I call them, um, you know, where it's, you know, the commercial on the bottom, very uh, residential apartments on top, kind of, you know, all one-stop shops. As I say, like when you get home from work, you park your car, you can walk to the grocery store, your restaurant, your bar, your entertainment. It's all encompassed into these areas. And that's become very popular where we live. Um, so that's kind of mirrored in an urban setting, but a more, you know, suburban environment, if you will. But I say all that to say that even in the same fire department, different options don't always work in the same places, right? So what works in the East is not necessarily what's going to work in, in the West, right? In the East, they, we drop a guy off, for better or for worse, we drop a guy off to get on the tanker. And so the officer ends up pulling the hose lines a lot of the time, you know? So that's not how it goes in the, in the North and in the, uh, in the West. It's usually not how it goes at all. So even your hose loads 
And the options you use for long stretches can change based on your environment. And so that's why it's important to get out there and do the work. Just because company one does things this way does not mean it's going to be the best for company seven. It doesn't, you know, you got to get out there and do the work and go to go out in your district, in your area, you know, and also your second and third do area, like where you're going to be running fires to and figure out what stretches and what loads are going to be and what solutions for these longer stretches are going to work for you. So with that being said, let's get into some more of the meat and potatoes of this topic. And again, like I said, there's two options, but there's many variables. And so we're going to talk about the variables and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of, of some of the variables, or at least the pros and cons as I see them. I mean, I'm not perfect, right? Like I might miss some things, but here's the things that come to my mind when I think about these solutions and the things that the obstacles you may see, and then some of the good things of it, right? Because there's no, there's no perfect one. You're going to you're always going to give up something, right? Like like when you stretch a two and a half, you're giving up mobility for for gallons per minute, you know, and vice versa. When you stretch an inch and three quarter, you're you're siding on the edge of mobility for less gallons per minute. You know, a smooth bore. There's love a smooth bore. That's my that's my nozzle, man. But there's even variables in the smooth bore. Seven eighths. You're trading seven eighths for fifteen sixteenths. Seven eighths more maneuverable, less nozzle reaction, easier to flow and go. Fifteen sixteenths more gallons per minute. You know, you know, you're trading these things. It's always a trade off. It's never going to be the perfect solution. There's always going to be a trade off. If you have, uh, you know, certain hose specs, more rigid hose, less kinking, harder to pack. Right? It's 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 always a trade off. So let's talk about the first long stretch solution, and we're going to delve into the long attack line and that can be pre-connected and this is what specifically what i'm talking about is anything longer than two or three hundred feet right it's that like in my fire department what we're doing now that 400 foot line i've seen in some like pg places uh in like pg county maryland they might even have a 600 foot line or even longer than that like if if they can figure out how to pump it appropriately right uh and that's cool. Like I wasn't a big hater on that for a long time. Like I was, I was not a big fan of it until we used it more. And, and it's like, it's like everything, right? Like you may not, sometimes you don't know what you don't know and we didn't have that. And so you just did with what you, you, you we created different ways to, to overcome it. And so you kind of like, well, we've been doing it like this. So why do we need that? And when reality it's like, Hey, let's explore this to see if we can do it more efficient. So some of the pros of that long, attack line. It's fast. Uh, I'm sure you've seen every video under the sun, especially if you're listening to a fire service podcast, that long attack line is fast. It, it, you put it on the stopwatch, it's probably going to smoke any of the other solutions uh, time-wise. Uh, I know we had it even in a when uh, the engine that we got when I was still assigned to an engine company was a rural engine and we had a five we had a 400 foot pre-connected line and because a lot of times we had to drop that person off with the tanker we set it up for a two-person stretch you would think that that would slow us down but man we could still stretch 400 feet with two people faster than you could put together anything else i'm telling you it's just all you know you got to pack it the right way and again we're just getting into solutions right like you might show up with one person so 400 foot line, you you might still be able to stretch it one person, but you're gonna have to pack it a different way than if you have three people to stretch it or two people to stretch it. So we're not getting really into how to pack it, but we are getting into a lot of times it's fast. Even with one person, it's probably faster than having to build a uh, some sort of other contraption. It's super duper fast. When you stretch it, it's a manageable caliber line, even for one person, inch and inch and three quarter or an inch and a half, right? We're talking about attack line sizes. It is easily moved. You can, if you have to, if you have to start outside, man, you can move that line all the way around the house, usually by yourself. I mean, you know, obviously it's not, it's, it's, it's not desirable, right? But like, sometimes you got to do what you have to do. And that, that medium caliber or smaller caliber line is a whole lot easier to handle by yourself or even with just a limited size crew. It's easily moved inside. Like I said, if you have to start, start outside, Man, you can take that line, boom, and then immediately go inside. Or if, or if going inside immediately is 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 the is the option that you have, man, you just stretch it, boom, and you're right in the door, fast, fast, fast. Gets this, gets water on the seat of the fire. It can work really, really, really well. Um, I think personally, this day and age in the fire service, what we've seen, uh, and this is an opinion, 
what we've seen out of the UL studies, what we've seen, like if you put the water in the right place uh, fast enough, I mean, you're not even flowing 200, you know, at, at the UL studies, I think the most they flowed with like two bedrooms off on fire was like 250 gallons of water. Uh, you know, if you do so I think personally, like this is kind of like the long stretch gold standard. If you can, if you can get a long attack line in place rapidly, you're going to be successful a lot of the time. But it does take practice. It does take it does take discipline. And there are some cons to it. So one of the one of the cons moving on to the cons for that. Now you're married to that caliber line. OK, you stretch that 400 foot or 600 foot inch and three quarter line. That's what you have, because in order because it's probably going to take a minute to get a larger caliber line. Like if you get over that fire 600 feet away from your rig and you realize that you needed a two and a half and all you've got is an inch and three quarter, you're going to start with that inch and three quarter, because, but it's going to take a long time and the fire may get away from you. Okay. It, that's a, that's a possibility, right? Um, the fire could get away from you. It, it could, you could need that larger caliber line and you're not going to be able to go back and get it rapidly. And so the fire could get away from you and you know, we could burn some stuff down and that's not what we want to do. Uh, so again, you're married to that to that cal that caliber line. If you get over there and you need a backup line, how easy is it for that next company or for that other to stretch you a similar size line? Because remember, you know, if you're going by the letter of the law, backup line equal or greater distance, writ line equal or greater or equal or greater distance and caliber, writ line same thing, equal greater distance or caliber. How quickly? How quick is it? for you to get those other hand lines stretched it in place. Do you have multiple 600 foot lines on your rig? I doubt it. So the next thing that comes from that, that secondary line is gonna have to come from somewhere and it's probably gonna have to get built in some form of fashion, either through like a leader line or one of the other options we're gonna talk about. So we, you know, we could be delayed if we need multiple lines, like you're in a multiple story house or, you know, balloon frame or something like that. And you've, and you've got a fire run into the attic, man, you know, thankfully you do have an inch and three quarter in your hand so you can leap floors relatively quickly, but man, it'd be a whole lot nicer to have another line to go to the second floor instead of you having to put the fire out, put the fire out, put the fire out on every level and have to run to the attic. So again, I don't know how rapidly you know, and that depends on your response time too. How fast are those other engines coming? Can that engine get close enough to stretch independent of your initial rig and stretch a 600 foot line to you from their rig or 400 foot line or whatever? Again, you have to take those things into consideration when you're thinking about using these things in your fire department. Um, and lastly, this isn't, uh, you know, and, and, and I talk about this, but you're obviously, the longer your smaller caliber hand lines are, they're going to be higher pump discharge pressures, right? That could affect, depending on your water availability, depending on, you know, all of these other factors, that the higher pump pressures could affect your uh, your ability to add in extra lines, your ability to, you know, and, and again, we don't have to pump our rigs at capacity. You know, we, we, we try to do that, right? Like we don't want our engines working, but so terribly hard because we want to have that little backup, right? We, we want to, we want to have that, if that's a 1,500 gallon per minute pumper, I want to be able to get 1,500 gallons per minute out of it. And when you start getting above your net engine pressure and you start getting above the RPMs and all of those things, it gets difficult to reach the capacity of your pump and to have that little bit of a buffer. Again, it's not something that's too terribly, you know, I mean, when's the last time you had to pump capacity out of fire? But it's always just kind of nice to have, right? It's always nice to have in that in your back pocket. And when you start having four and five and six hundred foot lines, you're raising your PDP and your RPM so much that you may not be able to to maximize the use of that fire department pumper. Again, based on water delivery, the water system that you have, and all that. So those are just some of the cons on that pros and cons of the long attack line. Now moving on to what I call combining attack lines. And when I say combining attack lines, what I mean by that is taking uh, two pre-connected crosslays or a hose bundle and putting them together. So like, for example, I would take my 200-foot crosslay, put it on my shoulder, get all of it out of the bed, take the no you know, unscrew it from the rig, take the nozzle off of the other crosslay, screw them together. And then we stretch a 400 foot line or 
I would take my hose bundle out of my rig, take it to the very end of the 200 foot and screw that in to give me a 300 footer or a 400 footer or a 500 footer or a 600 footer. Okay. That's what I mean by that. I call those combining attack lines, like putting those things together. Um, again, some of the, the pros of that, a lot of the pros are the same as having that long attack line. Now it's not as fast as the long attack line, but it's still fast. It's faster than some of the other options we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, it has kind of the same limitations, right? Like it's a lo- it, it has some of the same pros and limitations. It's you're married to that caliber line. You uh, you're only going to have that line there. Uh, backup lines may be hard to come by, especially if you're having to do that. If you're having to do that to stretch the initial line, you know that that backup line, the similar process is going to have to take place. So how fast are you going to get help? Because if you had to build a 400 foot line and even to get to the fire, well then golly, the next company is going to have to come up and build a 500 foot line. So where's that coming from? Can they do that off of your rig? Do you have enough hand lines left? Do you have enough hose left? Did they bring their own high rise, uh, hose bundle or high rise pack so they can piece in? You know, these are all factors, again, training, uh, getting out there, looking at your district, figuring out how you're going to make this happen. That's important, right? Like we've got to get out there and make this stuff happen. Um, and it has some of the same cons, right? It has some of the same drawbacks that we mentioned, the higher pump discharge pressures, uh, you know, only married to that line, all that kind of stuff. But it's still it's still a viable option. I mean, the engine I was on when I first got promoted to lieutenant, the longest line we had was was a 300-foot line. So we had to get creative in making a longer stretched line, uh, you know, and that was kind of our go-to. We found that to be the fastest was combining two pre-connects. Hose, hose on the shoulder, stretch it, de- disconnect it from the Chick Sand Swivel or the Maddie Dale, um, and then hook it into the other one and then stretch that line. Then you've got a 400 foot line pretty rapidly. Uh, I thought that was pretty successful, and I think there's a lot of fire departments that do it that way. So, but again, there's always pros and cons to everything. What kind of staffing do you have? Do you have enough, enough people to make that work? Where's the other lines coming from? Did you stretch the right size line? Because sometimes we do that wrong. I mean, uh, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, we've even done it wrong in my fire department. I've done it wrong. Uh, where it's like, ooh, really wish I'd stretched a two and a half on this one instead of an inch and three quarter. And I've sometimes, and I've stretched a two and a half when I was like, oh, God, I shouldn't have grabbed the inch and three quarter. It happens, right? So, but you have to be able to figure it out when you get there and make it work for you. Um, the other option to this, and this is an option that we'll talk about when I talk about a long attack line, one thing you can do as well is so lots of when I talked about that long attack line, building something, and this uh you can do this with and we'll talk about it as well in the trunk line and leader line part. Uh, we'll talk about it then. But you can take that engine three quarter, and if you're running a smooth bore or if you're running a breakaway nozzle, running a breakaway nozzle, you don't have to take the nozzle off. You can just screw the tip off. What that does for you, it can make it a little bit faster because you don't have to take the entire nozzle off or you can stretch and kind of piece in uh, at the end of it. And you can just screw that breakaway piece, that breakaway fog off or screw the 15, 16th or 7, 8 step on, screw your inch and three quarter or inch and a half on the end and stretch the other line. And then you have that that uh, nozzle still in the center with an open shut. The problems that can come with that Okay, the problem, well, the pro, the pros. Let's talk about the good things about it first. It's still fast. It can be relatively fast. It's faster than having to disconnect the the, the whole nozzle off of there. You know, it, it's 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 a lot faster in my opinion. So, and kind of the same pros of of the that long attack line, even being pre-connected or built in any other way. Kind of all those pros are along the same lines. The negative is those now you have a shut off in between your line, and that can get dangerous. If you don't treat it the right way, if that shutoff gets kicked, you're losing water. If that shutoff breaks, right? Like I've had a, I've had a nozzle bail break off in my hand. So like I stretch the line, boom, go to charge it and it snaps in my hand. Now I don't get water to the end of my hose line. That's a bad, bad feeling. Okay. That's a bad, bad, bad feeling. Uh, if we don't treat those shutoffs properly, if it gets dragged inside, 
and not tied off and gets kicked closed. You lose water on the end of your hose line. If uh, you know what I mean? So there's just a lot of things that can go into when you put a shutoff in the middle of your line. And we're going to get into that a little bit more when we talk about some of our leader line stuff. But it's something I wanted to address. It's something I wanted to address because that is another option if you're running the appropriate type nozzles that you can do that. But those shutoffs, it just makes troubleshooting a lot harder, right? When you, when you, uh, Dennis Laguerre calls this like the gold standard hose stretch, right? Like one nozzle, one hose, one source, you know? So it's like, so if something goes wrong, it's either a problem with the pumper, a problem with the hose, or a problem with the nozzle. It makes troubleshooting really easy. When you throw a shutoff in between that, it makes life a whole lot more difficult because now it's like, now there's more things that can go wrong. So I really, and I really, you know, and we don't need, we don't need any other challenges on the fire ground, right? We don't need any other challenges on the fire ground. We have enough going on. It's hard enough as it is to keep track of everything and put stuff in, in the right place. And we don't need anything else to have to try and fix. So just wanted to touch on that for a second. So we've kind of talked about the long attack lines and how to make them in the pros and cons. And so now I want to transition into more of a leader line or trunk line discussion. And when I look at that, usually there's a couple different options that you have. You can do, and we'll talk about this first, a leader line or trunk line. And when again, when I say leader line or trunk line, I'm talking like two and a half or three inch. Leader line or trunk line with some sort of gated device. Gated Y, Water Thief. I know for a long time in my fire department, a lot of people still do, we're using water thieves. For anybody that doesn't see know what a water thief is, it's got it's it's you know got one uh one intake, three discharges, usually inch and a half discharges on the right and the left, and in the middle, it's got usually a three-inch coupling coming out of that, a three-inch size coupling. I've seen them spec'd with two and a half. Um, but most, the most common ones I've seen are a, are a three inch coupling coming out of that. Uh, you know, I've seen them spec to two and a half, but the most common ones I've seen around the country are a three inch, three inch coupling coming off that water thief. Uh, and then of course your, your standard gated Y with two inch and a half discharges in a Y fashion, one on the right side, one on the left side. This is a huge point of contention. Uh, I think probably in the American fire service, right? And I'm not Dennis Laguerre at all. If you want to know some of the negatives to it, I'm going to hit on a couple of them, but he gets a whole lot more into the flow and the science and all that stuff. He has a great article in fire engineering about uh, why operations. He does a great class on why operations. Um, you know, it's just tremendous, tremendous stuff. But But we'll talk about that for a second. Some of the pros, because there are pros, and there are some pros that work for fire departments in this country, and so I don't want to dismiss it. And in fact, for the longest time in our fire, and there are people in my fire department that still swear by having a water thief or a gated while on the end of their three-inch hose, because that's what we use for a leader line, and that's fine. You just have to be able to know how to make them work for you and what the limitations of them are. So the pros you're automatically going to have a lower pump pressure. Again, not super, super duper duper important, but by adding that trunk line in, it's automatically more pumper friendly, right? And again, there's a whole other lot of variables to that, but it's automatically going to be a lot easier instead of pumping 600 feet through inch and three quarter. You've got that trunk line. It's going to be a lot easier friction loss. So automatically, you have the ability for multiple lines. You have the ability for multiple lines, and that for some places, that's important, right? They may not have the ability to stretch multiple lines off of their pumper, but they can stretch a three-inch line with a gated device, and they can have multiple lines in play. Uh, you know, and that happens out there, folks. Like, you know, we're not just talking about FDNY here. We're not just talking about DC or big city fire departments. We're talking about the vast majority of the fire service, which is not those people, okay, which is not those people. That may be something that they need uh, in their fire services to be able to deploy those multiple lines. They may be on a fire truck that only has two discharges on it, and that ha that happens, folks. And we we need to be, and they need to be able to deploy multiple lines on off of it. And so that's their solution to it. Um, 
you can go what I call, <laughs> it's funny, anybody who's a video game kid knows that uh, like the biggest thing about like when you bought a new video game system was you always like, oh man, it can't play my old games. Well, then like some of the newer next gen consoles came out and they had what was called backwards compatibility, right? And so that backwards compatibility meant like, oh, my Xbox 360 games now play on my Xbox One. So if I really liked this game on the Xbox 360, I don't gotta, I can still play it. Like I don't have to just throw it in the trash or keep my old Xbox, uh, you know, so that I can play it every once in a while. I can play all my old games on the new system. And that's, uh, that's a big deal, right? And so I feel like, the, now this is specifically to the water thief. That water thief gives us what I call backwards compatibility. So a lot of times I'm stretching these lines for the attack line, right? I'm stretching this 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 leader line for that attack line. I'm stretching it for that inch and three quarter or that inch and a half. Like I'm stretching it there because I got to try to get this inch and three quarter line there. What that water thief gives the ability, it's got that three inch or two and a half inch discharge on there. I can put, I can shut down my my small caliber lines and I can put a two and a half on there. Or I can take another, I can take a, a bundle of three inch hose, stretch it out, and I can put a ram or a blitz fire on there or start uh, to flow a portable master stream like from the deck gun. Uh, you know, I can start to do that. I got that backwards compatibility, which means that, oh shit, I got in trouble with my small caliber hand lines and I've got to back off. I can immediately add in a large caliber hand line. Somebody can walk, somebody can, the driver can be back at the rig. He can shoulder load the two and a half, bring it up, put it on. And now immediately we've got a large caliber hand line in service. So that's a pro. Um, I don't think we, I know in my fire department, we don't do that very often. Like we haven't had to do that very often, but that's a pro to it guys and gals. So that is a pro to it that I can, I've got that backwards compatibility set up automatically by having that there. Uh, so that, I mean, that's a good thing, you know, depends. Uh, downstream controls. Again, one of the things that if you're in a low manpower fire department, you can send water to that device, that gated Y, that water thief, whatever you're using. You can calculate, like you saw them walk away with an inch and three quarter line. Sweet. You do your PDP, send it down the line, and then you don't, you, you pump what you're, what they're going to need for that entire layout just to that valve and then you can walk away and go do something else they're controlling when the line gets charged down there it, it's kind of that old commercial you can set it and forget it um that frees you up to go do something else like get tapped into your hydrant stretch another line to them uh maybe they need you to throw a ladder you know like different fire departments do different things some guys stay some dpos stay right at the rig in my fire department they usually go do other stuff we need them to do other things until other companies get there but that's another pro to using that that gated device is you can kind of set it and forget it and go do, go on and do something else. The cons. Whew. Anytime you're putting heavier hose on you, larger caliber hose, it's going to be a slower stretch, especially with these gated devices on there. Like if you've never stretched three inch hose with a water thief on it, I say. I don't recommend it, but I think you should experience it a couple of times because um, it it will slow your stretch down. It makes the hose stretch extremely heavy. I don't care how you pack it. It's not going to be a, a super fast thing, even if you're running. And if you can run and do it, you're going to be whipped by the time you get there. So it's a slower stretch than some of the other options that we've talked about. Um, that downstream shutoff, that can be a big negative. Same thing with the nozzle that we talked about if you're piecing in. Any of those downstream shutoffs can be kit close if you don't treat them right, if you don't tie them close. If they get drug into the IDLH, who knows what's going to happen to them? And it happens. You know, you shouldn't be stretching these things into an IDLH. They should never pass the threshold, but they do. They happen. They happen all the time. Um, you know, so you need to stretch them appropriately. But if you're not going to stretch them appropriately – and leave them so where they don't go in the threshold, you've got to tie them closed, and that adds an extra step in. You're, or, heaven forbid, that you've only got one leg off of one of these things going, you've got to tie the other ones closed so they don't get kicked open and you lose water on your line, because that happens too. If you're pumping this thing for one line off of a gated Y, 
and you're pumping it for one line and somebody kicks the other side open, you're going to lose water to that line. It just is a fact. So you got to be cognizant of that. You've got to tie these things open and close. It adds in extra steps. It's difficult. It it's, makes something that's hard even harder. Um, you always have to pump to your highest caliber line or highest number of lines. What I mean by that is if I've got the water thief on there and I've got inch and three quarter and two and a half on that water on that water thief, that water that two and a half is probably going to be over pumped because the discharge pressure for the inch two inch and three quarters are going to be higher than that. They're going to be higher than it. So my two and a half is going to be over pumped, which means it's going to be harder for me to handle. If I need to take it inside or I need to move it around, it's going to be more difficult. Same thing with the inch and three quarter, right? All of these calculations that we do are for lines flowing. Okay. Any pump discharge pressure or any friction loss calculation you do is for lines that are flowing. If I've got a water thief or a gated wire or whatever sort of device, and I've got two lines off of it, I have to pump it always at two lines. The second, the second that I add that second line, I'm automatically now I am pumping for both lines. How often are two lines flowing at the exact same time on a fire? Especially, you know, I mean, one's a backup line, one's, you know, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So automatically, one of those lines is going to be over pumped or under pumped. You know, even if, if you pump them at the right pressure, they're going to be, you know, and they're flowing water both at the same time, you're going to be golden if you never shut one down. The second you shut one down, that other line is going to be over pumped. And again, you can go look at videos on that. You can look at all. I mean, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of videos out there about that exact same thing. But just informally, in my fire department, one of my buddies just informally pulled out the gated, pulled out the water thief, pump, set the pump discharge pressure appropriately for two lines, was flowing both of them, shut one of them off, and the other one was over pumped by 25 psi. 25 psi. This was an inch and three quarter, inch and eight eight hose on a 15 16 smoothbore. You add 25 psi to that. What does it do to your nozzle reaction? What does it? I mean, your gallons per minute go way up. You're in like over 200 range at this point, but it makes that nozzle way, way, way harder to handle. That takes flowing and going completely out of it. You're just holding on. You're holding and praying at that point because you're just holding on for that. So just make again, it it kind of goes against everything that we're trying to do. We're it, you know we want to get in there and put the fire out, and it we you, we pick inch and three quarter or these smaller caliber lines for the ability for us to flow and move and have maneuverability. But then we over we add it to the end of this gated device. We pump for two lines. We shut one down, and we don't have the ability to adjust our our pump discharge pressure. And so we take that maneuverable line and make it almost entirely. Impossible to hold on to with one or two firefighters, and and not and just hold on to it. Not talking about moving it, just holding on to it. So it just doesn't really, it it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense when you start doing that. It it takes away something that's supposed to be give you an advantage and gives you a disadvantage. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you guys. And you don't have to even do anything fancy like that, right? Like there are people that have flow tested this stuff, put it on PDPs, put it on, you know, blah, 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 all of that and so forth. Go do the eye test. You don't need a pitot gauge. You don't need a flow meter or nothing like that. Stretch the line, pump it for both, you know, set it for both lines, start flowing water and then have one shut down and see the reactions on the guy's faces that are flowing water. I've done it because we didn't have any of that fancy stuff at my firehouse. I've done those things, and I can tell you, the second you shut the other line down, the other guys go, oh, crap. This has just got really, really tough. <clears throat> so I say all that, and I'm not saying that there's not a use for them and not a place for them, but, man, there's a lot of cons to them. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of cons to them. So you just got to make sure that you're using them the right way. Um, there are some tips and tricks that I won't get into uh, too terribly much about you know how to make them a little bit better for you if you for whatever reason have to one gets kicked by accident or something like that but man it just seems to me that it's not the best method to use especially in just today's day and age with low manpower and so on and so forth but there are some things that give us an advantage by doing it you just have to use you have to pick your spots 
uh, when you're going to deploy something like that. And I think you need to be careful with it. There are some data wise out there, the older that'll self-close. Uh, I didn't believe that till I saw my, till I saw it from my own eyes uh, at Water on the Fire 2019, where there's one that when they open open the line and they opened the other side and the other side self-closed. <clears throat> Couldn't believe it, but it happened and it was real. So again, something to really think about. Moving on to some to uh, one of our other solutions, uh, getting into some of our last last ones. Leader line with a reducer, and that can be either a plate reducer or a bell reducer. Now, some, but you know, there's some that apply to both, and some that apply just to one of the types of reducers. The biggest thing I'll hit on first is that plate versus bell, right? I think both better options. If, if all you have is a plate reducer, to me, that's a better option than using a gated device. Uh, you know, again, sync. One nozzle, one hose, one fire truck, troubleshooting easy, troubleshooting easy, okay? But the plate reducer is going to increase, could increase your friction loss. And a lot of our friction loss numbers, a lot of our historical friction loss numbers come from, come from uh, uh, piping, like plumbing, okay? Where these guys did tests on pipe and they just kind of applied some of that stuff. And even in pipe, when they talk about friction loss numbers, they talk about using a smooth transition between one size pipe to the other. And that's exactly what we're doing, right? We're trying to, we're transitioning from one size hose to a smaller size hose. Adding in a smooth transition, such as a bell, will reduce your friction or turbulence in your water. Adding in a plate will increase it. So it's just something to be aware of. It may even be negligible, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, some of the pros, single source, I already talked about that, Easy, easily troubleshootable. Lower pump pressures because we're, you know, we're using that trunk line or leader line to that small caliber line. Uh, it's speedier than doing this with a device. Like if you're going to stretch a trunk line, I've, I think the, the, the reducer is the way to go. If you're going to stretch that trunk line, the reducer is the way to go, man, because it's a lot faster. It's not as fast as the inch and three quarter, just that long attack line, but it's a whole lot faster than stretching the trunk line or the leader line with a device on the end of it. Um, you, uh, you can get that still that backwards compatibility, right? So if I get, I stretch my trunk line all the way to the door and I get there, I get there, right? And I realize, oh, crap. I need a two and a half or I need, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can do the same thing I do with my gated Y or not my gated Y, my water thief. I can go back, have the driver bring up a section of two and a half. I can either add a reducer to that if those aren't the same couplings in our fire department, they're the same size couplings. I can put a two and a half on the end of my, on the end of my three inch hose. I can spin off the reducer, spin off the inch and three quarter, put the two and a half right on there and I can get to work. So I've got that backwards compatibility, and you, you can you can even have that with you can have that with just adding a reducer if your if your coupling sizes for your two and a half and your three inch aren't the same size, uh, you know. But you can still do it. You just have to add in another reducer. Again, I would go a different size reducer. I would go with a bell versus a plate. But if all you have is a plate, it's better than a thief. So you still have some backwards capability. The cons. It's still slower than an inch and three quarter stretch. Okay, it's faster than with a device, but it's still slower than an inch and three quarter stretch. Uh, we talked about the plate reducer already. We talked about that. Uh, it's a single line. It's a single line. That's probably the ne the biggest negative is that you're only going to be able to stretch one line with that. Kind of the same thing with that inch and three quarter. You know, it's one line because it's a reducer. Where's that other line coming from? How easily is your fire department set up to get that second line in play or that third line in play? How easily is that going to happen? Um, usually, the caliber of line coming off that reducer is a smaller caliber line, right? It's usually that inch and three quarter. Okay, it's usually that inch and three quarter. Uh, but we can have that backwards capability uh, compatibility, but it's usually inch and three quarter. So again, you're kind of it's if you want to add in that thing, it's going to take a second, right? So you're kind of married at first to that caliber, kind of like you are in that. In that single uh, that single inch and three quarter until you can get something stretched. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and again, 
good options, right? Like to me, those are the better options. If you're going to go with a trunk line system, if you're going to go with a trunk line, or if you're going to go with something like that, I think it's better to use a reducer. Specifically, if you have a bell, that's like gold standard. If you have a plate, that's better than a device, in my opinion. And lastly, what we're going to talk about is kind of what we talked about with adding in and piecing in that inch and three quarter with that nozzle. Most two and a halves that I know have those tips on there, have stat, you know, ours we run uh, inch and an eighth, inch and a quarter. You can stretch your two and a half nozzle, unscrew your tips, screw on your inch and three quarter, or screw off one tip or whatever, and screw on your inch and three quarter, and then you can get to work. The pros and the cons are kind of the same with what we talked about earlier. Uh, now you have a device in the middle. You have a shut off in the middle and the pros and cons with that. The pros being that you know, you've know you got downstream control, but it could get kicked if you don't tie it off. If you don't, you know, it, it could get kicked. It could get broke, all of those things. You do have some backwards compatibility. Like I can transition back to the two and a half if I need to. I can transition, you know, to that larger caliber line again. Uh, you know, so there are some pros and some cons to it. The biggest things of whenever you put a device in the middle, man, it makes troubleshooting difficult. There's a safety factor, especially because guess what, guys? We're not that disciplined. I know I'm not. I, you can probably count. I can count on one hand the amount of times I've actually shut, close, uh, tied off or tied open uh, a, a shut off device like that. I, I just and we and this is a practice that's been going on in my fire department since before I got there. And I can tell you, we, I've been on the end of a hose line with. Been on the end of a water thief with hose lines, and I and I guarantee you those lines weren't sh tied open or tied closed. I guarantee they weren't. So it's just one of those things that we're not disciplined enough to do them the right way a lot of times, and it can cause a huge, huge safety factor. But that is another option for you. You can take that two and a half with the nozzle on it, blanch that fire really quick, screw off one of the tips, put on your inch and three quarter, and go inside. Um, again, same, kind of the same as having a device or a, a gated device in the middle, um, you know, but it, it's kind of along those same lines, but it's, a, but it's a little bit of an outlier because we're not really doing that with three inch hose. It's mostly two and a half that that happens with. Um, again, some of the same pros and cons with that. So I know that was kind of fast and, and hopefully you got some out of it. Hopefully it was slow enough where if you wanted to take notes, you could, but those are what I think are the most prevalent options and some of the most popular options that you have when you're dealing with sort with long stretch solutions. Again, you know, to recap, to me, there's two options. You can do a long attack line, and we're talking inch and a half, inch and three quarter, or we're talking leader line or trunk lines. And now those, while there's only two options, there's several variables in there, like we talked about. We talked about gated devices, we talked about reducers, uh, we talked about nozzles, we talked about all sorts of things. And there's other variables such as water delivery, hose loads, all those things, nozzle, the nozzle you're going to have on the end of it. All those things play a little bit of a factor into that, but some of those things are individual fire department stuff and whether, you know, and individual fire truck stuff because you don't know how each pumper is going to stack up. How, if you're going to, if you don't have a pumper that can, that can pump a 600 foot inch and three quarter, then there's no reason to even factor that in. So the biggest thing, I hope you take these solutions and go out and test them. Test them in your district. Test them in your fire department. Test them. Put a flow meter on them. Put a pitot gauge on them. See which one works for you. I've got a pretty good idea which one works for the companies that I run with and the companies that I've been to. But that's because we've tested the theory. In fact, we've tested the theory. We've gone back and be like, oh, this is probably a better way. We'll go back and we'll change it. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to think that, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I used to think that the long inch and three quarter line was dumb. And now I think it's the gold standard. I didn't like it at first, but now I think it's the gold standard. I, I, I think that's, if, if you've got that capability, pre-connect a 400 to 600 foot line and rock and roll, you're going to put out a lot of fire very fast. And I didn't used to think that way. Five, six, seven years ago, I didn't think that way. It's okay to say that. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to find a better way. And if it ain't better, as Ron Burgundy would say, if you like it, you can keep it. If you don't like it, you can send it right back. So that's what I've got for the topic today. Um, I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, it's something I'm passionate about. I've taught a class at FDIC on this. I'd love to come to your fire department and, and, and talk about these topics. If you're interested in that, 
You can get me through any of the social media channels that are out there. Uh, Average Jake on Twitter, Average Jake on uh, Average Jake on Twitter, Average Jake on Instagram, 641-8310 with an 804 area code is my phone number. Um, you know, you can go to the blog, all that good stuff. Again, you know, I, I, I teach several different topics. I'd love to come out to your fire department and, and talk and, and, and go over some of the stuff if you're willing to do that, even over like a Zoom or uh, or some sort of, you know, distant social distancing type of, of seminar type thing, if that's what you're into. Um, thanks for all the companies that make that, that sponsor the podcast. Vanguard Safety Wear, makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Taylor's Tins, I wear Taylor's Tins on my helmet every day. Uh, it's awesome. I wear Vanguard Safety MK1s every day. They're awesome. Fireground Commander Conference 2020 happening next week, August 10th through the 12th. Tune into the Fireground Commander Twitter page and Instagram page for all the stuff. We're going to be doing some live streams. We're going to be doing some interviews. And we've got a social media person that's going to be live tweeting the entire conference. So you want some good nuggets for some outstanding speakers, make sure you're tuning in next week. And lastly, you know how we do. Make sure you're getting your three hours in. Make sure you're spending one hour a day in the gym working on your physical fitness. Make sure you're spending one hour every day in the library reading something about our trade, watching YouTube videos, practicing your size-ups, educating yourself about our job. And one hour every day doing some sort of hands-on training. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Pull the rope bag out and tie some knots. Go take a section of go take a 50-foot section of hose and a reducer, hook it up to the hydrant and practice your nozzle movements. Doesn't have to be anything super high speed. Make sure you're doing it an hour every day. You do that. You become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. Thanks for listening to 41 episodes of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Stay safe, but stay aggressive. I'm out.